It's time for the Security Token Show. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in security token news. Coming from across the globe to your living room. And delivering all the latest STOs and getting you up to date on what's happening in the market. So what are you waiting for? Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Security Token Show, folks. We're your hosts. I'm Harry Konings. This is Kyle Solid, of course. And we are here in sunny Miami, Florida, ready to give you the latest and greatest in security token news. Welcome back, everybody. We've got another episode. This is coming off our four-year anniversary, Can't which is pretty on. exciting. Hundreds of episodes now. I think we're getting very close to episode 200. And we're going to be breaking down everything that happened in the blockchain security token industry with our main topic, talking about tokenized deposits. But before we get into anything that has to do with the banks, we do want to thank our sponsor, which this week is Red Swan. Red Swan, led by Ed Nwakadi down in Texas, is doing some amazing things in the tokenized real estate sector, bringing high-quality AAA assets into the fractalized investment world. They've raised a lot for their issuers. They've done very successfully, and they're exploring their own fundraising campaign coming very soon. So we have a lot of amazing updates coming from them, as well as the interviews and all kinds of great stuff coming from Red Swan. Thank you for being the sponsor of this week's episode. Go check out Red Swan. The show isn't possible without our sponsors. And so with that, let's get on with the show. It's time for the top five. And kicking off our top five this week, we'll start with number five, Sumitomo. Their American division officially invested in about 10,000 carbon credits from the World Bank's issuance platform. So we've talked about carbon credits before, tokenizing them, which not only allows you to track the issuance of these more effectively, but also the redemptions, which they record on the Chia blockchain. This is a $660 billion Japanese firm getting involved in the tokenized carbon credit space. 10,000 tons of carbon credits. That's awesome, awesome to see. Number four, we got six, Switzerland's International Exchange. They also have their SDAX, which is, of course, focused on digital assets and security tokens. They recently just published uh, their survey results from April, uh, April, Kyle. Over 300 buy-side firms they re uh, got responses from, specifically asking them if they plan to hold on to any kind of digital tokens or are already holding on to them. And 11% said that they already are holding on to them. 69% of them said they plan to within a year, which holds out about 20% possibly skeptics or just super far behind. 80%. Yeah, 80%. That's four-fifths of respondents saying they're excited. It's worth, uh, you know, saying that uh, specifically they mentioned CBDCs, cryptos, uh, or, and uh, well, there was one more, I think, stable coins. Uh, stable coins. They're not considered. Not included. So this is only utility tokens and asset-backed tokens. 80% want to get involved. Love to hear that. And at number three, We've got CITD issuing a $12 million tokenized bond. This is a hundred million Hong Kong dollars. This is a 30-year maturity loan at a 3.73% yield. They're launching another tokenized bond to bring to market. 
Love to hear that. And I'm loving number two even more, Kyle. We got an almost trillion dollar asset manager, Schroeder's out of the UK. Uh, they are officially announcing that they are exploring tokenization with Calistone. And this is actually big because it's part of the Project Guardian trials that uh, we've talked about in the past here, specifically tokenizing variable capital companies, CCs, under the guise of the MAS, a massive, massive asset manager working with Calstone. Love to see that news. They're going to be trialing it out on a public blockchain, Kyle. And number one, we have more Project Guardian news. They're launching all kinds of expanded testing trials. We covered the Sumitomo Americans carbon credit thing earlier. Number five, that's Product Guardian. We've got this other Schroeder's issuance. They're also exploring Product Guardian. But this is not it. Project Guardian expands to HSBC City. UBS looking to launch on a permissioned variant of the Ethereum blockchain. They're trying to do three main things on top of the two projects we already covered here in the episode. The first one being an automated market maker using DeFi for liquidity in government bonds. This is fascinating. We've seen the innovation coming from crypto. Anybody that tells you that all of it's wrong is also incorrect because automated market making may be one of the biggest things coming out of that ecosystem. They're trying to apply it to government bonds. Number two is asset-backed securities with trade finance across the world. This is another example of an industry that has accounts receivables that are very long-term. If you can fractionalize that, sell that onto somebody else, very exciting and interesting, but only can be done with a blockchain-based ledger. And then number three, structured notes. We've talked about this all the time, doing types of debt issuances on-chain and then distributing those payments on a blockchain network. So they are doing all kinds of amazing things. Again, Project Guardian is based out of Singapore under the guidance of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, the SEC out there. Doing a lot of great work and I love to see what they're also publishing, specifically most recently, their take on how to approach a public blockchain, which is a pretty a big topic right now these days. So check that out if you get the chance. But with that, that's the top five. Now let's head over to Peter Gaffney and get the institutional updates. All right, welcome back to the institutional segment of the show. I'm Peter Gaffney, head of research at Security Token Advisors. Got a couple cool headlines this past week that really caught my eye, extremely pertainable to our own advisory clients. In fact, so doubly beneficial. Let's dive in. First, we have a Carlisle-owned fund administrator, Calistone, well-known name, working with Schroeder's, the almost trillion-dollar London-based asset manager, not only to issue tokenized funds, but more importantly, to do so on a fully end-to-end -end digital basis. This is actually a, a part of Project Guardian, a pilot program with the Monetary Authority of Singapore, in which Schroeder's will likely use a variable capital company's VCC structure for its own tester fund. Calistone's CTO stated that tokenizing fund units will not provide the transformation that the industry is looking for, applying DLT and tokenization at all levels of the fund from trading to administration and distribution provides a much more fundamental transformation. So this is pretty spot on with what Anthony Morrow, acting CEO of Providence Blockchain, depicted in our own STA Success Network webinar just two weeks back. The takeaway is that Calistone is really looking to digitally originate NSU fund interest rather than taking off-chain products and spinning up digital feeders or digital twins of that traditional product. Now, given how early this industry is, there's nothing wrong starting with a digital twin to get familiar and comfortable with the tech. Uh, similarly to how there's nothing wrong with big banks making use of private blockchains for solutions rather than public chains off the bat. Eventually, the full range of benefits and savings will come from an end-to-end -end digital solution, start to finish. 
I'd also like to note that Schroeder's was in the same headline regarding fund tokens as Aberdeen back in August 2022. Now that Aberdeen is official with Archex, remember we covered their sterling money market funds a couple weeks back. Uh, Schroeder's is signaling to be a fast follower. Expect that same trend across the greater capital market segments, including asset managers, banks, transfer agents, even index providers. We also have some early insights into the other Project Guardian projects, including JP Morgan, SBI, and DBS Bank, testing an automated market maker for permissioned and credentialed participants. So the AMM initially makes use of tokenized Japanese and Singapore government bonds. This is something we've been seeing in other public permissioned sandboxes, even in the United States, uh, across chains like Avalanche and Providence blockchain. Huge need in the market right now that they're pushing out. So within Guardian specifically, Standard Chartered is also testing its own tokenized asset-backed securities issuance through the Link Lodges portfolio, another hot segment that thanks to the work that figure has been pushing forward themselves. You can even expect around $400 million of new blockchain-based HELOCs every six weeks or so through figure. And these developments that are always thought of on the retail level, such as permissioned AMMs and swaps, it's actually been taking a greater foothold on the institutional side, which to me is pretty remarkable. So those are just a few segments to keep an eye on. That's all for now for me. Let's see what Sam Sachs has for us in the market updates. Hello and happy Monday. The security token market cap took a dip this past week as it holds on to the $16 billion mark. And one action-packed segment we have today, and it starts with smart wealth. SmartWealth and Charter Investment have achieved a major milestone by introducing the world's first security token for an AI-based multi-asset investment strategy in accordance with German Investment Code. SmartWealth AG is an independent and FINMA-licensed asset manager based in Switzerland that applies and leverages artificial intelligence to revolutionize asset management. This groundbreaking step allows the group to offer its clients access to their flagship multi-asset global rotation AMC through a regulated security token on the blockchain. In other news, ValueMax Group launched an issue of unsecured commercial paper in digital securities at an interest rate of 5.15% with a maturity of three months. The main board listed group offering pawnbreaking, broking, and secured money lending services and engaging in the retail and trading of jewelry and gold said in a bourse filing that it expects to raise from accredited and institutional investors from the issuance, which is to be listed on the SDAX digital platform. Infinity Stone Ventures has received approval to cross-list its shares on Upstream, a trading app for digital securities and NFTs, the company announced. Upstream is powered by Horizon Fintechs and Merge Exchange. Infinity Stone is expected to begin trading on the app starting July 6th under the ticker symbol GEMS. The Upstream market is open Monday to Friday from 1 a.m. to 9 p.m. The cross-listing is designed to give Infinity Stone access to a global digital-first investor base outside of the U.S. that can trade using USDC, along with credit card, debit card, PayPal, and USD, the company said. It's going to unlock liquidity and enhance price discovery while globalizing the company's potential investor base, something we had an issue with in the market till today. And that's all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week. Have an amazing July 4th, and we will see you next week. And thank you, Sam Sachs, for that awesome market update. As always, love to see what's happening in the market, Kyle. Uh, but now it's time for our main topic, folks. We're going to be talking about tokenized bank deposits this week, a form of a stable coin well-known by JPM coin, as well as other applications going on. We just heard that JPM 
has now expanded their JPM coin into the euro. So not just the US dollar here, but now they have a euro uh, bank deposit uh, tokenization. And I feel like now is the right time to yeah. break down exactly what the difference is between stable coins and tokenized bank deposits, Kyle. Totally. So I think that the way that we need to look at this is that tokenized deposits are not the same thing as a stable coin. And so the easiest way, highest level to look at is that tokenized deposits are much more for internal networks and stable coins are much more for external means of exchange. So let's dive into what that really means first. So institutions have a lot of capital on hand, right? They're a bank or they're a, a financing platform. They've got assets under management. These are real fiat assets in a bank account, right? Dollars in an account at the end of the day. They need to a way to bring that fiat currency into the tech ecosystem because they need to digitize those dollars, right? And we see that in step one is basically just taking an actual paper dollar and putting it into a bank account so it's a number on a screen. But in order to interoperate with the rest of the banking infrastructure and to leverage all the benefits of tokenization we talk about, they need a tokenized dollar. So tokenizing the deposits is basically using a one-to-one -one representation of, all right, this is a liability in our bank account and we're going to represent that using a token for an internal means of exchange. We can literally tie that dollar back to an account so that we can be sure of exactly where all those dollars are going. That's really high level. We can certainly dive into a lot more details. Yeah, I think the, the one thing that I want to point out on that, which I think is a great explanation, is that the bank literally looks at these as bank liabilities. Yeah. Hey, when you own a bank deposit, the bank is required to redeem that for you. That is your yeah, currency at the end of the day. And exactly right. We need to get into Web3. Well, we're going to need a digital version of that. There is a big difference between stable coins that I think that is, I, I think, the reason for the, the, at least the bank deposit model, Kyle, which is volatility. At the end of the day, when we're looking at stable coins, USDC and others, they are usually an asset token, right? That's what I'm getting. I'm getting a digital dollar stable coin. And that's usually backed by typically a fiat currency, could be in the form of actually treasuries and other source. But at the end of the day, that's what they're saying is pegged to it. There's a very big difference from a bank liability that says you already own it. And again, as you pointed out, internal networks. So you have no kind of market pressures or anything else like that going on here uh, versus a stable coin. So I think it's a pretty big difference in why I think we're going to see a lot of financial institutions adopt it this way. It's why we've seen a lot of success with JPM uh, and also the USDF consortium. Uh, there's 11 members in that consortium. It's another bank deposit model. Uh, we also, I think, uh, want to spend a little of the time on the regulated liability network. If you haven't heard of that, there's uh, members from SWIFT, TD Bank, Citi, BNY, HSBC, many others. They call them regulated liabilities. Uh, and they're a very similar mixture uh, and model to uh, bank deposit tokens. Definitely worth checking out if you're interested in the topic. Yeah, I think that that's really right. And when you look at stable coins, as you said, they're asset-backed tokens. So they are an asset, but they aren't backed necessarily one-to-one -one by dollars. As you said, right? There, there's a certain amount, amount of fiat that may be in a bank account, but they're often fractionalized. They're often yield-bearing. And so they're almost like a high-yield credit account as opposed to a redeemable dollar. And also the other side of it here that, we're, that we've, referenced, but I think it's pretty important. Note, they can be issued by non-bank issuers, right? Like Circle or Tether. These are not banks. They go out of their way 
to make sure it's clear that they're not banks so that they don't need to follow Dodd-Frank and the other banking regulations. But that comes at a cost that they don't follow banking regulations and they're not FDIC insured. And a lot of these different components that allow a bank deposit to offer a very different risk profile and a very different type of asset or in this case, liability for the bank. Yeah, no, I think that's an absolutely important distinction. That's again, why you're going to see more trust from financial institutions that want to interact with this Web3 or digital, you know, technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully, you know, that is a good explanation for you all, the difference between stable coins and tokenized bank deposits. Uh, you know, I think from a predictions perspective, it's going to be a number of, you know, continued announcements with right. more trials and more banks adopting the, the token. I think with the euro uh, expansion is going to be great to see. We know there's a lot of activity already out of Europe around tokenized securities. Uh, so I imagine that JPM is going to offer quite a pretty promising solution out there with this. Uh, that's going to lead to a lot of innovation, folks, another acceleration uh, to the adoption uh, ultimately for tokenization. And so, of course, Absolutely right. if you've got thoughts, questions, comments, please let us know. Uh, if you've got a suggestion for a main topic you'd like Kyle and I to cover, of course, let us know about that too. And with that, we're going to end our show with our Companies of the Week. And now it's time for our Companies of the Week for episode 195. We're taking two companies. Herwig and I wanted to give a special shout out for doing something amazing in the industry and give them a nomination for our Companies of the Year Award at the end of the year where we pick one of any of our nominees that really made the biggest impact in the industry. So Herwig, how about you lead us up? Who is your Company of the Week? With pleasure. There were a ton of huge headlines we covered in the top five this week. Naturally, they were all very big, but they were just big announcements. There was one that kind of went under the radar, didn't quite make the cut that I want to give the spotlight to this week. And that is a Japanese company called Data Chain. The Data Chain has actually received an investment from MUFG, folks, the fifth largest bank in the world. But we also have talked about them plenty on the show with their Progmap platform where they're doing a ton of tokenization activity in Japan. Uh, and on top of that, you might not know they also have a Progmap coin, uh, which naturally, as we pointed out on our main topic just now, you need a digital token to settle securities in. That's what the Progmap coin is for. And Data Chain, the blockchain interoperability startup, is in partnership with MUFG to power and support that Progmat coin. So that's in- incredibly important for the whole industry of tokenization. Uh, and so therefore, I wanted to kind of give a shout out to the data chain guy. Make a shout out to data chain. Bringing these assets on chain, providing more transparency into what's going on is crucial for the adoption of the space. So who, you, who do you choose this week, Kyle? I'm a citizen. This week, I wanted to take another on-chain lender. We've certainly covered many of these in the past, but this is a major DeFi lender who's embraced the both crypto and digital nat- nat- native asset economy, as well as the institutional lending side, that is Maple Finance. They've done $2 billion in loan originations with a 60% market share for institutional lending for on-chain DeFi lenders. So they're doing some really cool stuff and they're trying to be on the cutting edge of the institutional adoption here. They have 1,800 institutional clients thus far, and they're now launching a new platform, Maple Direct which is directly issuing new loans and helping to capitalize on this opportunity. So major shout out to Maple Finance. Absolutely. Maple Finance, that's a great choice. Another under the radar thing that is actually much bigger than people uh, realize, I think. And so that's a great choice, Kyle. Uh, with that, that's our show, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Of course, subscribe, like, you know, share it. Most importantly, if you can, 
Uh, and we hope to catch you again next week on Monday. Happy tokenizing. <laughs>